to season two of Lead at Work and at Home, episode number one. Been on hiatus for a bit. As many of you know, I own and operate a summer camp that was started by my dad. And our camp ended in probably about the middle of August. And I have been trying to get back into the swing of things. Camp was great. The kids were great. Challenges were also fairly great. As you've heard, finding employees, retaining employees, resignation, it it is reality. We also are dealing with the need to pay people more money. The minimum wage in Chicago has gone up to $15.40. So to attract the highest quality employee, you really need to consider how you can compensate them. But camp is the greatest place in the world. It is the most pressure that I face during my year. It is 39 days. As my wife says, she is a camp director widow because I never see her. I would usually arrive to camp about 6.15 in the morning, and then the first camper arrived around 8, and then I would usually leave at about 6.15 at night. So I was pumping in about 60 hours of work and then obviously come home. But I have to tell you, there's no better place I'd rather be than summer camp. From grilling hot dogs to seeing kids have their aha moment, developing staff, you know, taking a 20-year-old who is relatively new to children and being able to help them learn and grow is, is pretty awesome. So the question is, what have I been up to? Well, that's a fair question. If I'm being very honest and vulnerable and open, when camp ends, historically, I have a really hard time. I would describe camp like a drug. It is just pure adrenaline, probably similar to a doctor in an ER where it's just putting out one fire, moving on to the next. It gives me structure to my day. It gives me a lot of purpose. And as someone who works from home and does a lot of executive coaching and some traveling and working with teams and businesses, it was really hard for me to transition from camp to the regular part of my life. And I've had this challenge pretty much every year. I would probably describe it as some depression seeps in, some anxiety, really trying to figure out what it is that I want to do with my day Executive functioning skills are things that I'm constantly working on. And you would think that someone in a position where you're you're working with other people, helping them with, with their skill set, well, the same thing happens to me. I've always thought of the greatest place that I could travel to. And I've thought about Hawaii, the Caribbean. I've always wanted to take an Alaskan cruise But the fictitious place I've always referenced, and when I reference this, people look at me like I'm nuts, is this place called Shangri-La. If you've never heard this saying, it's actually from a 1933 novel called The Lost Horizon by an author named James Hilton. And it's really a, a happy land, faraway haven, tranquil. People are immortal. This kind of this great utopia where happiness is there. And... As I finished camp and I was moving into my consulting coaching, I would probably describe me as trending very negative from the way that I saw myself to the way that I interacted with my family. 
Um, I would probably say that there was a lot of avoidance doing little things that I normally did. And again, these are not things that I was proud of. It's I just felt really, really stuck. And I hope as you're listening, you can relate to this because if not, then I am certifiable and I should be committed into that um, with Nurse Hatchet. Ratchet, what was her name? From One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But the truth is, we all get to that point where we trend negative. And I have been searching now for the better part. When my camp ended, it, it took me about three weeks to get settled. And through my therapist and through work, I was really able to set a path in the last few weeks where I can start to see some space in my brain where the the constant negative thought pattern is not running through my brain. I refer to them as ruminations where I'm constantly thinking about what I have to do next or I'm not doing enough. Perfectionism sets in. Avoidance sets in, as I said. I believe there's probably some social anxiety that seeps in. And again, anyone that knows me would not believe this because I can get in front of 500 children and be the most engaged person. But these are my struggles, and I've had these struggles for a long time. They usually arise when there's a lack of structure in my day. And so it's hard for me to fill in that structure. So what I did is, I is again, through work with my therapist, and I read this great book. Actually, I didn't read the book. I've gone to audios, audiobooks, which is pretty cool. But the book's called Atomic Habits. It's a really good book. And the idea is before you even start your day, before you even take a shower, do breakfast, is there something that you can do that you can accomplish that would actually set your day off on the right note? And spoiler alert, in my lifetime, I never made my bed. I never made my bed as a child. I never made my bed as an adult. My wife makes the bed because she enjoys it. And so one morning, I looked at my wife and I said to her, Abby, can you show me how you make the bed? And she looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. It took a few minutes it's not that hard. But now for the last two weeks, every time I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is make my bed. Simple, yes. I completed a task before I started my day. Small success, really small success. Made my wife happy, which is also good. Set an intention, in, set an intention for my day. So waking up in the morning, you know, when you are struggling with some depression, it's really hard to get your body moving. The alarm clock goes off. You feel heavy. You feel like the world is just on your shoulders and it's hard to move and it's hard to get motivated. Guilt pops in. Shame pops in. And so the point is, if I could do this one thing, this one small thing, Well, then I could do other things. And so, again, over the last several weeks, I've been able to add in some real small structures to my day, from making my bed to putting in a load of laundry before I take the kids to school, setting an intention every day at 9 o'clock, I take the dog for a 45-minute walk. 
I go to Graceland Cemetery, which I know sounds a little bit morbid, but it is the most beautiful place in the north side of Chicago with trees, a pond. It's quiet. It allows me to think. I've been putting on, again, this is a no judgment podcast, by the way. I've been putting on walking meditations. I go on YouTube and while I'm walking the dog, I'm paying attention to things like sound and smell and trees. And what it's done, it has started to allow me to feel more accomplished and feel more as uh, like a greater sense of purpose. Ironically, as I started working with my clients, I started using this with them too. Companies struggling with customer service, perhaps companies struggling with punctuality, managers in conflict. So what we did is we just started looking at one thing. It would be great if we can change everything about our lives. Wouldn't that be great? If one day we can wake up and and harness everything we've ever wanted, but that just doesn't work. It also doesn't work to try to do, you know, two things at once. And so my intention of making my bed was really the catalyst for me to get moving. Mindfulness, awareness changed the way that I was viewing things. Instead of me focusing on what was happening ahead of time or what I needed to do, I've been able to sit and just ponder away. Have there been tears? Yes. Sitting in complete silence and thinking about your life is not easy. 10 minutes a day can really bring up emotion. I've learned, though, that that emotion is necessary for me to feel good. So when I say I had a good cry, I'm not ashamed of that. I think that that emotion is was bubbling up and I needed to let it go. Uh, I would probably never admit to that when I started my podcast back in September of last year, but I think I've grown and I've been able to realize that everyone can relate to what I'm saying in that it's actually okay. I also want my kids to know that it's okay to cry. That's okay to get in touch with those emotions because without getting in touch with those emotions, we probably just keep things inside of us and in that permeates a lot of negativity. So why do we make our bed, right? I mean, it's a, it's a pretty simple thing. And what we want to do is we want to experience more positive things than negative things. The positive, the, the negative thing is sitting in bed, hitting the alarm, being angry, doing this, you know, wondering the what's happening in the world, thinking about money, thinking about kids, thinking about relationships, your parents aging. And these are all things that I think about. These are all things that go in and out of my brain and really sometimes cause me some distress. I think you can relate to what I'm talking about. So the idea of starting to think about one thing that you can do before you start your day, it could be a compliment to a kid. It could be a snuggle. It could be something that becomes ingrained in you and gives you some type of satisfaction. Change is really hard. It's hard because we want to accomplish things at that moment in time. We want instant gratification. So now I've gone from making my bed and then the next, after two weeks of that, my next hurdle, which I'm in the midst of right now and it's not easy, is removing myself from social media. I have 
been a fiend on Twitter the last few weeks, I would probably relate it back to what I refer to as avoidance behavior. If you've ever struggled with mental health, in particular with depression, that dopamine that you get from your screen really replaces you connecting with other people. And so often I would find myself while in the midst of trying to look at my computer and do some work, just scrolling through Twitter, aimlessly reading comments that really are not germane to my life, just running through it. Uh, And I found myself becoming really, really distracted with my kids when they would come home from school. I think I was a bit more disengaged than I would have liked. I'm not proud of it but it's something that I was aware of. And so what I did is I went on screen time and I put, I literally took the URL of Twitter, put that in. I think you had to put no, no adult websites. I'll leave it there. But getting rid of Twitter was another avenue for me to be proud of making a change. And so I'm kind of on this journey right now I think I probably got a little softer in the midsection over the last few weeks. Uh, You know, when you're feeling low, you probably don't eat as much. You don't find nourishment. You don't have the strength to prepare meals. Uh, It's easy to focus on carbohydrates and things that give you instant sugar and fructose. And we know what that can do with the brain, but it doesn't necessarily provide you with feeling good about yourself. Exercise is important for me. Uh, I've, as I've gotten older, I've re- also realized I can't do the things I used to do. I can't go run ten miles anymore. Uh, I I can't start training for marathons because of my body is my back. I'm sounding like an old man, by the way, but it's true. And so you need to adapt and change some of the things you do. So I become a walker, and every day at that same time, I take my two mile walk. I share this with you because I am excited to rejoin the podcast world. Part of my reluctance to want to record a podcast over the last few weeks is I just felt I had nothing to say. I'd sit down at the computer, I'd hit the record button, and nothing came out. And so instead of beating myself up, I accepted it, that it was okay for me not to record a podcast. And it's okay for me not to be perfect. You know, if you think about baseball, there's not many perfect games. It just doesn't happen. Out of the millions and gazillions of baseball games, people don't just walk in and throw a perfect game. There's no such thing as it. Shangri-La to me, the fictitious place that I want to go to is having a clear mind. It's really getting rid of or having a better relationship with anxiety. If you're not an anxiety sufferer, good for you. If you are someone who struggles with this and and is learning to manage it, my, my suggestion is consider some mindfulness training. I just bought a subscription to Calm. They're not a sponsor, but maybe we can get them to sponsor. The Calm app, I think it was $34.99 in 10 minutes a day. Now I literally sit and I will sit in silence. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes my brain is all over the place, but it's those atomic habits. Again, the book that I'll reference in the post credit, but it's those habits that we have to do. And so 
as I as I wrap up my return to podcasting, in in let me just acknowledge, I have two really awesome interviews in the can that I did over the summer, and I'm really excited to get that moving and share with you. And I and I can't thank you enough for continuing to support me. I'm gonna kind of try to figure out which direction to take this podcast. I think in a year since I started, I have grown. I've gone from the fear of thinking that my words have no meaning and people won't listen and insecurity to acknowledging that I have something really important to say. And if there's one person listening that can wake up tomorrow and make their bed, well, then I think the journey is well worth it. So lead at work and at home fandom. Welcome back. I'm excited that you're joining me on the journey for the second season and please look forward to some amazing upcoming episodes. And I wish you and your family a great start to the fall season.